I was going to get your attention this morning uh, by singing happy birthday to us. But I decided not to sing, and God's people said amen and amen. Many people call this day, the day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church, if that be true. We've celebrated almost 2,000 of them at this point. I'm not going to uh, get into the details of the reasons why this should or should not be referred to as the birthday of the church, but I will say this, that on this day, like a birthday, our Father gave His dearly loved children a great gift. He poured out His Spirit, the Spirit called holy upon them. He continues to pour out His Spirit on you and on me. So would you agree that today is a day to celebrate, would you? It's also a day to reflect. Another year, another Pentecost. How are we using God's good gift to us? It's a day also for us to define the relationship. How are we relating to the Holy Spirit, the third person? Of the Trinity. If that evaluation reveals that we are not closely connected to the Spirit, we must change because we can be, and therefore we must be closely connected to the Spirit of God every day. And that's what I want us to talk about as we come this morning to a very familiar passage, Acts chapter 1. So if you'll take your Bibles, And turn to Acts chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in the pew in front of you. And when you found your place, let's stand so that we might hear read together the word of the living God. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. This is the word of the Lord. And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's pray together. Father, now bless your word to us. Thank you for your promise. Thank you that you're faithful to your promise, that where your word is read and heard in that place is blessing. Bless us through the power of your spirit as we come now around your word with the blessings that you have for us, even ones we don't expect. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This morning, we're going to look first at the importance of the gift of the Spirit, and secondly, the power of the gift. But let's begin with the importance of this gift. I'll ask you to look once again in verse 4. And you see there that 
Luke records that while Jesus was staying with them, now most Bibles, probably yours, have a little number beside that word, staying with them. And if you look at the footnote down below, you'll see the optional translation of eating with them. And that in Greek is the primary meaning of this word. It means to eat together with an emphasis on fellowship. So, so we could say this, that Acts chapter 1 verse 4 is the last, last supper. I don't know how long the meal lasted or how long Jesus stayed with them, but if it's true to Middle Eastern style, they lingered long. They didn't grab it and growl and go on their way. Jesus probably had opportunity to tell them many things as he ate with them and stayed with them. But the only detail that has been preserved for you and for me of the content of that conversation of this last, last supper is the promise of the Holy Spirit. We don't know Jesus' tone when he spoke these words, but Luke is clear that he ordered, ordered his disciples to stay in Jerusalem, to wait. Look in verse 5. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The last promise at the last, last supper is the Holy Spirit. This focuses such importance on the coming of the Spirit. And then we come to verse 8 which is the day of Jesus' ascension, and we read the very last words that Jesus spoke to the disciples while he was on earth with them. And what are those words about? The Holy Spirit. Look in verse 8. You will receive, that makes it a gift, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We cannot overestimate the value that Jesus places on the coming of the Holy Spirit from eternity past. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been in perfect, loving fellowship with one another. Jesus has borne witness to all the gracious and all the powerful ways of the Spirit throughout time. Jesus knows well the changes that the Spirit has wrought in the lives of men and women and even children in his human form. Jesus was led by and empowered by and ministered to by the Spirit. And so now at long last, by the eternal decree of God and because of the finished work of Christ, the Holy Spirit will now indwell God's people. He will take up residence in them and never leave them. People of God, is that good news? The coming of the Spirit belongs in importance beside the incarnation and the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. Pentecost is an integrated an integral part of that complex of events. In fact, the upper room at the first last supper 
Jesus ties his death and therefore his resurrection and ascension to the giving of the Spirit. He told his disciples he must go away. And that's how he goes away, through his death, through his resurrection, and then through his ascension, in order that he might send his Spirit. To quote Jesus in the upper room, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This is how important the Spirit of God is. John, Jesus' cousin, the one who prepared the way for Jesus, said this before Jesus made his appearance for his public ministry. I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. These are words of prophecy spoken by John, and they indicate, listen, that the Holy Spirit is the blessing, the blessing of the kingdom that Christ came to establish. He seems to be saying that all Jesus did, all Jesus endured, all Jesus suffered, all that Jesus sacrificed leads to and culminates in the coming of the Holy Spirit on his people. That he died to save and give as a gift the Spirit of God. The Spirit is what Jesus wants for you and for me. In his brand new commentary that was just published this year, Dr. Richard Gaffin, for 40 years, professor of theology at Westminster Seminary, where he taught his much-beloved class on the book of Acts, he writes this, The Holy Spirit is, if you will, the kingdom gift par excellence, the fundamental first-order gift, the kingdom gift of all kingdom gifts. He calls Pentecost an epical, climactic event in the history of redemption. Now, the reason I take so long to dwell upon the importance of the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit has often and unfortunately, too often, rightly so, been called the neglected person of the Godhead. The Father, we love, adore, Christ, we exalt, but the Spirit often is neglected. And yet we cannot know Christ apart from the work of the Spirit. The Spirit draws us to Christ. Jesus says in John 6, No one, no one, not you, not me, no one can come to the Father unless the Father draws him. And he draws us by Spirit. The Spirit reveals our sin to us. He shows us that Christ is the only one who can deal with our sin problem. Not just once, but every day. Jesus says in John 16, And when he comes, the Spirit... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Spirit teaches us the things of Christ. 
Jesus said in John 14, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. How can we, people who love the truth, who want the truth, who need the truth, who seek the truth, how can we ever neglect the Spirit of God who's the one who leads us into all truth? The Spirit never takes center stage. That position belongs to Christ by the mutual agreement of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because that's the way it's supposed to be. Christ, the center of all things, that's the way that's best for us. And so what does the Spirit do? He glorifies not Himself but the Son. Shines a spotlight on Jesus, John 16. The Spirit will glorify me for he will, make what is, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let me ask you this question. And if you know the answer, I would like you to tell me the answer. What is man's chief end? Man's chief end is to... And... Yeah. How then can we achieve this chief primary goal in our life, which is to glorify God apart from the work of the Spirit? The Spirit who brings glory to Christ. I don't know what your relationship with the Holy Spirit is like, but in order that we do not neglect it, I want to offer just two practical pieces of counsel concerning the Spirit in your life. And the first piece of counsel is this, assume. I want you to assume. I want you to suppose it to be the case that if you are a believer in Christ, you have the Spirit of God in you. We don't have time to go through all the scriptures that demonstrate this to be the fact, but I want to read just this one. From 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all, all were made to drink of one spirit. Is that not beautiful? All believers in Christ drink in the cleansing, empowering flow of the Spirit of God. To have Christ is to have the Spirit. To not have the Spirit is to not have Christ. So suppose, please, that you do. You think you don't deserve this gift of the Spirit. I think I don't deserve the gift of the Spirit. And we are both right. We don't deserve to have the Spirit of God indwelling us. And that's what makes His presence such a gift to us from the Father. He does not come and go in our lives based on how good we are or how worthy we feel ourselves to be. No, listen, wake up every morning. If you are a believer in Christ, no matter how bad your yesterday was, 
no matter how bad your yesternight was, and assume this, you have the Spirit. He has not left you. If you wake up every day and say, I have the Spirit of the living God living within me, your life is going to change. Assume that to be so. The second piece of counsel is this. You may assume, but never presume. You may assume, but never presume. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 5, that we should be filled with the Spirit. We don't have time to exegete this verse fully, but we can see this clearly, that it is passive. Be filled with the Spirit. We cannot fill ourselves. It's the work of God in us. But it's also a command. And so in that moment, you and I become active. Paul's point is that the Spirit of God must dominate and control you if you are a believer in Christ. In this, God has never changed. His very first commandment, you know well, is this. You shall have no other gods before me. And so in this, we are active. We must not presume. Presume that we will have the fullness of the Spirit by doing nothing. No, we must be active. Only through the power of prayer, only through intentional choices in our lives, will the Spirit take this controlling life within us. Because this command is written in the present imperative, we must offer those prayers. And we must make those intentional choices every single day of our lives. As Scripture says, we must yield to the Spirit. If you drive a car, you know what that means. You come to the yield sign, you stop so that the other person may go ahead of you. We yield to the Spirit. We stop our wills so that the will of the Spirit may lead and guide and direct our lives. The Spirit of God is vitally important. So let's assume, but never presume. And now this morning, as we move on from the importance of the gift of the Spirit, we look now at the power of the gift of the Spirit. Look in verse 8. Jesus says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I'm sure you know this already. But the Greek word for power is dunamis. Wherefrom we get our English word dynamite. So go ahead and make that connection in your mind. The Holy Spirit of God, dynamite, power in your life. Power has always marked the work of the Spirit. In Genesis 1-1, we read this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing, God created everything. Then we read this in verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God and His power go to work to order all things that God has created to bring form 
to that which was formless, to order what did not yet have order. And we see then the days of creation. The Spirit of God continues to exercise that same power in your life and mine, the power to order. We tend to look outside of ourselves for chaos and disorder in our culture. And without question, when we look, we see chaos. We see disorder. It seems that little in our world is the way that it's supposed to be. And by that, I mean the way God created it to be. By that, I mean the way that it can be when people submit to the authority of the God who created all things. I don't need to make a list for you. The distortions and disorder and perversions and chaos are all around us. They are promoted and celebrated by those who hold the cultural microphone. They are encoded into law by the stroke of an executive pen. A culture who cannot or will not define woman is already a culture in chaos. And you and I feel powerless, don't we? The wave that seems to be sweeping over us. But here's the good news. Listen, Christ has promised power. And we must be intentional about using that power. We must not be passive. We must not presume. Instead, you and I must pray. Because we know that the Spirit of God can put things in order. Do you believe that? That was kind of weak. We're overwhelmed, aren't we? Do you believe, really, that even now the Spirit of God can bring order out of chaos? Do you? Okay. But listen, let's not let our culture become a diversion or a distraction or a deflection. We, you and I, must not live as if the chaos and the disorder is all out there. You know this. The chaos and the disorder is also here, isn't it? Right in our own hearts. And it's here inside us because sin makes a mess of all of us. Listen, it's okay to include yourself in that. Listen to what the great apostle Paul writes, what he confesses in Romans chapter 7. Paul says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil is close at hand. Can you relate to the Apostle Paul? This is the disorder. This is the chaos that sin produces. But Paul was not helpless or powerless. Neither are you, neither am I, as God did through the power of his Spirit at the time of creation. 
as he beautifully ordered it with sun and moon and stars in their places and animals in their places and human beings in their places, the crown of all creation and the co-regents who reign gracefully and mercifully with God so the Spirit can bring order to our lives. But listen, this is good news. He doesn't just hover over us as he hovered over the waters at creation. The Spirit of God lives within us. Is that good news? He can bring more and more order to our lives, what we call sanctification, whereby you and I die more and more to sin and live more and more to Christ. Again, the Apostle Paul writes this time in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Wow! That makes us active, does it not? If you and I are to obey these commands in our lives, clearly we are not to be passive. But then listen to this. This is the benediction, the good word that Paul speaks over these people to whom he's just given this list of commandments. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Is that not a beautiful blessing of God on our lives? Completely, holy, sanctified, ordered lives. The Spirit inspires Paul to be emphatic in this blessing on us. Surely, surely, he will do it. Do not doubt his power. Instead, seek it. Ask yourself, do you have the same desire for yourself that God has for you? That you would be made whole throughout your being, in every component of your being that makes you, you. Do you want to be wholly sanctified? Ask yourself, what degree of chaos is okay with you? Where will you, where will you tolerate disorder in your life? How much sin are you willing to allow to continue in you? God offers us, you and me, Something so much better. Completeness, wholeness, order in our lives and His peace that comes from that order. But we need the power of His Spirit to have it. And so once again, here's the good news. God gives us what we need. We need His power. We have His power. The power of the Holy Spirit Is that good news? So I say to you, happy birthday to us. Let's celebrate this day and every day by making important to us 
What is so important to Jesus, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. So important to Jesus that he gave his life so that you and I might be indwelled by spirit. So let's celebrate calling on the Spirit of God and yielding to his work and his power. Let's pray. We pray now, O Spirit of God, for your power. We need not ask you to come in, for you already dwell within your people, and for that we give you praise and thanks. But we would ask this, Spirit of God, that we might live in your power. We pray that you would use your power in us. We pray that through your power we would see more and more of Christ his grace, his love, his mercy for us, but also his will and his way for us. Help us through your power to make those right decisions, Lord, to live lives of holiness before you, for the spirit within us is holy. Make us to be that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.